Bob Dylan almost wrote a song about the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. The Medicare podcast that crushes other Medicare podcasts like the bugs they are. He can't figure out who won the Game of Thrones. It's Medicare expert Doug Jones. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. This is your perky Medicare expert, Doug Jones, as my Canadian nephew, Drew McMillan, may have told you. I am back in Arizona, and I am proud. And I'm happy to share Medicare knowledge with those of you who are approaching your Medicare metamorphosis. It's uh, not easy to say, Medicare metamorphosis, but it is indicative of the fact that all of us, if we live long enough, are going to be crossing that threshold and having to learn about that health insurance plan that government provides for us in order to not screw it up. We have to uh, tread lightly and tread carefully, and hopefully with the proper instruction it won't become a problem. Well, I like to say that I've provided the proper instruction with my book, Medicare for the Lazy Man 2023 is the current edition. And you can pick up a copy of that book at either barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. At Amazon, you can get one of uh, several editions. Uh, the uh, uh, Hardcover is my favorite because it's such a magnificent creation, but most people buy the paperback. It's a lot more cost effective. And then, of course, we have the um, Audible book, wherein I do the work for you. I do all the reading. I pronounce all the difficult words. I turn the pages. I announce the chapter headings. You barely have to do anything. Just lay there and let the knowledge wash all over you. And then, of course, if you want the very, very inexpensive um the uh ebook then if you've got a reader device that uh, amazon will support then they'll shoot that book right to you almost instantaneously for a very minor price it's less than four dollars and you'll have it right away so i would say that if you're looking at a medicare encounter in the next um six months or so might be a good idea to get my book medicare for the lazy man 2023 so i am back in arizona it's sunny it's beautiful i can't wait to get outside and manufacture some vitamin d i'm looking at my friend randy carson who appears to have been manufacturing vitamin d for quite some time randy it's good to see you again i'm glad to be back in town well i am glad to see you in town my friend you know when you're out there in pugsley land Yes. I just I just feel totally out of sorts. I don't know why. Well, amazingly enough, so do I. <laughs> Pugsley <laughs> and I are not the best of friends. He avoids me like the plague. Everywhere I go, he's not there. So I'm assuming he doesn't want to have anything to do with me. Well, I, you know, you know that I have an Alexa device, right? Yes. Okay. So I, as we were waiting, we were winding up the episode here. I looked over and Alexa just floats stories by you, you know, throughout the day and oh, really? asks you wh what you want to look at and what you don't. Well, while I was waiting, she floated a, <laughs> uh, a story across there that says today is mental health day. 
Uh oh, does Pugsley know that? I wonder. I, I don't know. And and but I asked her what, it, and she said, "Well, go ahead and ask me what a mental health tip would be." Uh huh. And I did, and she said, "Stay the hell away from Medicare Disadvantage plans." Is what she well, said. That's good advice. That's good advice. Alexa just gave you advice that uh, uh, is worth whatever you paid for her many times over. I know. I, I thought, wow, that's really awesome. Alexa is so deep into my knowledge base. Sometimes she scares me, but that particular one I'll let go of. Well, she may be happy for uh, the reason that uh, we expressed in the last episode, the uh, apparent uh, Cigna a uh, health insurance company, a huge organization, giving some serious thought to divesting themselves of their Medicare Advantage business. Is, uh, uh, that's big news. That shows that we're doing something right, and uh, our war is not lost. It's, right. we, haven't, we haven't won the war yet, but we might have won a battle. That would be the first step in our eventual victory. And I'll bet Alexa is very proud of us for that. I bet she is, because normally she doesn't come up and give me any melt, many, many accesses to mental health. I don't uh-huh. know whether she thinks I'm behind, you know, I'm, I'm just over with it. You know, I'm just hopeless. There's no mental health tips good for me, but this particular one she did. Well, I'm, I'm happy that uh, she's in your life and uh, may she always be uh, the source of happiness and joy for you. Um, in fact, now that we've mentioned Medicare Advantage plans and and the stress that they're under. I've got a couple of short little blurbs here about events, current events in the Medicare Advantage realm. And I want to pop those into our um, podcast episode. And then I've got a sleep-related article. Depending on how quickly I can plow through that article, uh, I may have this time a uh, quiz for you, Medical Myths about sleep. And so uh, there are five elements to the sleep quiz, and I'll be asking you whether or not uh, the answers are uh, correct. So I'm, I'm more than willing to participate in your sleep quiz. Wonderful. Well, let's see how far we can get in the other, the more important <laughs> episode uh, content. The content curator has been so busy. Remember, I told you that going to Illinois, she gets to see all of her old friends. And then coming back, she gets to um, worry about her friends. Uh, she's left her friends. And so now she has to say goodbye to all of them. And I don't know what she's doing. And now in, uh, in uh, the other room now, but it's not content curation. I'm hoping she comes back to the uh, business that we're all here doing pretty soon. Cause I prefer my content curated when the curator is not working on it. I feel as though I'm a little bit out to sea. So anyway, I have, um, some blurbs here that have to do with changes that may negatively affect Medicare Advantage plans. The CMS, that's the outfit in the government that uh, oversees Medicare, they have proposed rule changes. And one of those rule changes, now nothing's been approved yet, nothing's been set in motion, but one of their proposed rules would cap Medicare Advantage broker incentives. One reason that brokers push Medicare Advantage on unsuspecting victims is that they're highly compensated and rewarded for that. CMS allows the insurance companies to really uh, shower money and other uh, benefits upon these brokers. And so the brokers, being a bunch of prostitutes, are pushing a product that otherwise is not really 
very good for the clients that they're uh, trying to serve. So the gist of the article is centers for CMS are launching a second wave effort to targeted uh, to target uh, oh, Medicare Advantage marketing practices in an effort to ensure that older Americans have access to Medicare supplement benefits and drug company uh, coverage. And another blur, Modern Healthcare says that Medicare Advantage prior authorizations are being tightened up and under another proposed rule that the CMS is thinking about uh, implementing. The prior authorization is the process by which if you're covered by a Medicare Advantage plan and your doctor says that you need some treatment, either by a specialist or a uh, surgical procedure, let's say, uh, you have to get permission from the bean counters, not the doctors, but the bean counters that run your Medicare Advantage plan. Somebody else other than you and your doctor are deciding your Medicare or your medical treatment uh, rules. And often the permission to get uh, consultation with a, a specialist or to have that surgical procedure is denied. And the reasons for denial are often just cash flow for the Medicare Advantage plan. So they're thinking about instituting rules that will uh, allow more of the uh, the uh, permissions to be granted, forcing insurance plans to pay more attention to the needs of their uh, insured people. Medicare Advantage insurers face new regulations governing marketing, prior authorizations, and supplemental benefits under a proposed rule that CMS is thinking about. The draft regulation also would raise network adequacy standards and promote the use of biosimilar medications and is another step in a campaign by the president's administration to rein in health insurance companies participating in Medicare Advantage. Well, if it all relies on the president, I think it's going to be a fairly bleak uh, half-hearted effort. Um, here's another article. The government looks to tinker with new caps on Medicare Advantage broker payments. The federal government is proposing to rein in health insurance companies that entice brokers with lavish, lavish bonuses to sell their Medicare Advantage plans by placing a firmer cap on broker compensation. Um, Let's see, the Biden administration seeks to crack down on uh, Medicare Advantage plans under a draft rule issued Monday that CMS uh, would be required to work harder to encourage customers to make use of the extra benefits available to them rather than the companies merely invoking them as a selling point. A lot of people buy Medicare Advantage plans because they're told that they have wonderful dental coverage and vision and maybe hearing and uh, come to find out that often those coverages are uh, subject to very strict negative regulations. Um, there are few dentists in their dental networks, for instance, or you have to change dentists in order to be able to use those benefits. So they use them as sales tools, but they're not always very well designed. They're not always very user-friendly. So the proposal would help Americans with Medicare drug cells, oh, Medicare drug benefits, gain access to biosimilars, less expensive versions of biologic drugs made from living cells or other organisms. That's news to me. So those are some uh, headlines that are worthy of hearing about because they give us a little encouragement that Medicare Advantage plans are going to have to put their money where their mouth is when they promise 
extra benefits when they promise um, good service and everything else, uh, it, they may actually have to start living up to some of those promises. I hope anyway. That's going to make things easier for those poor, hapless victims that are tricked into purchasing Medicare Advantage plans and then finding out that there's no freedom of choice, especially the ones that are too sick to be able to qualify for a Medicare supplement plan later on. So here we have our sleep uh, hunk. I am a guy who is very aware of sleep because I spent my early years almost being sleep deprived, especially when I went away to college. Uh, between being in a fraternity and having a girlfriend and having uh, way too much studying to do, I was sleep deprived for my whole freshman year and I didn't like it. And I always wondered how my father could get up before dark, get on a train right into Chicago, and then come out on the train from Chicago every evening in the wintertime. He never saw daylight. He never saw daylight. Uh, in his own house. He uh, left in the dark and arrived home in the dark that evening. So I am a guy who values sleep. And the headline on this article is not getting enough sleep may increase the risk of developing dementia. I That kind of surprised me. Uh, a lot of things can cause dementia, bumps on the head and so forth. But uh, this is a scary thing for people who don't get enough deep sleep. That's what they're talking here, deep sleep. So they say that research estimate researchers estimate that every three seconds somebody in the world develops dementia. Okay, I don't need to know that. Inadequate sleep is a modifiable risk factor. A new study says that as little as one percent reduction in deep sleep each year for people over sixty years of age equals a twenty-seven percent increased risk of developing dementia. Well, I'm guessing our audience members don't want to develop dementia. And this may be useful in encouraging people to set aside more time and to uh, get more sleep. There are currently more than 55 million people around the world living with dementia. Uh, researchers estimate that somebody in the world de develops dementia every three seconds. The number of people with dementia is expected to hit about 153 million by 2050. Many researchers believe inadequate sleep is a modifiable risk factor for dementia. And uh, let's see, a new study provides even more proof of that by finding that as little as a 1% reduction deep sleep, also called slow wave sleep, each year for people over 60 years of age equals a 27% increased risk of developing dementia. Um, for this study, researchers from Monash University in Melbourne, Australia, examined data from 346 study participants over the age of 60. And uh, let's see, researchers reported on the average, the amount of deep sleep each participant had declined between two studies, indicating slow wave sleep loss due to aging. Scientists also followed study participants from the time of their second sleep study until 2018, looking for dementia diagnoses. Responding to the rising prevalence of dementia is one of the most critical challenges of our time. Since we don't have any readily available curative treatments to halt or reverse dementia permanently, we were interested in understanding ways in which dementia can be prevented in the first place. For the purpose of informing dementia prevention guidelines, we were interested in clarifying how sleep changed with aging and whether changes in sleep with aging were associated with dementia risk. Decreased sleep increases dementia risk. Oh, I think they made that clear. Uh, um 
Upon analysis, the research team found a total of 52 cases of dementia, even after adjusting for a variety of factors, including age, sex, sleeping, medication use. Researchers found each percentage decrease in deep sleep each year was associated with a 27% increase in the risk of dementia. We know that deep sleep is critical for, for the aging brain. It helps remove metabolic waste from the brain and also to con consolidate memories. It also helps to protect against other dementia risk factors like high blood pressure. Therefore, we were not surprised to see that greater declines in deep sleep were associated with a higher risk of dementia. The scientists also reported on the average the amount of deep sleep each study participant had declined between the two studies, indicating a slow-wave sleep loss due to aging. Good quality sleep is important for many aspects of health, but poor sleep is not really thought of as a dementia risk factor. These findings further reinforce the need for adults to prioritize good sleep as part of a healthy lifestyle. So then it says, what is deep sleep? Medical experts suggest most adults get between seven to nine hours of sleep each night. There are four main cycles the body goes through during sleep. Three cycles of non-REM sleep, REM meaning rapid eye movement, and one cycle of REM sleep. The first two non-REM cycles occur as the body begins to fall asleep. The third non-REM cycle is known as deep sleep. This is the longest of the three non-REM cycles. At this time, the body's heart rate and breathing slows and brain waves become slower and larger. It's normally very hard to wake up during the deep sleep cycle. During deep sleep, the body replenishes its energy, regenerates cells, and grows and repairs any tissues and bones. Past studies also show deep sleep helps strengthen the body's immune system. It also plays an important role in keeping the brain healthy by helping with developing and storing memories, cognitive function, and efficient learning. Get the latest diabetes. Oh, that's a little blurb for diabetes. Why does deep sleep affect dementia? Well, deep sleep plays an important role in keeping the brain healthy and not getting enough sleep can increase a person's risk of developing brain-related diseases such as dementia, including Alzheimer's. A study published in April of 2021 found people in their 50s and 60s who slept six hours or less each night had a higher risk of developing dementia later in life. Research published in June of 2021 that's just a few months later, reported that deep sleep may help clear out toxic, toxic, toxic proteins from the brain that are related to Alzheimer's disease. A study published in May 2023 provided evidence suggesting that deep sleep may help protect against memory loss in older people who have a high amount of beta amyloid in the brain, which is considered to be a major driving factor uh, for developing Alzheimer's disease. So here are some tips for better sleep. Uh, this geriatric psychiatrist says, hmm, this study has several implications, including that loss of slow wave sleep could be a potentially modifiable risk factor for dementia, the most common cause of which is Alzheimer's. That's the most common cause of dementia. Uh, unfortunately, there's no shortcut to getting a good night's sleep. Traditional sedatives don't improve the quality or the amount of sleep, including uh, they don't improve the amounts of deep sleep. Medications like sleeping pills can play a bit of a trick on the brain, thinking that the sedation means that you slept well, when in fact the data shows that they don't actually increase the quality or duration of the total sleep beyond a few minutes per night. So 
Sleeping pills can't do it. Now, medical myths. Here's where Randy is going to help us uh, learn more about sleep. Uh, the medical myths, uh, in this case, the subject is how much sleep do we need? In this special feature, we hack into some of the myths. Among other questions, we ask whether anyone can truly get by on five hours of sleep a night. We also uncover whether sleep deprivation can be fatal. Okay, so here's the first one. They call this a myth. Randy, number one, everyone needs eight hours. Now, does this apply to you or not? Do you sleep, uh, do you, is your goal uh, eight hours or more per night? No, uh, I actually asked my uh, personal physician that one time. I said, uh, you know, what, what, uh, what's a good amount of sleep? And my personal physician has always stood by the seven-hour rule. Oh, okay. I, I go for the 12-hour rule. I fail most of the time, but uh, it's, it's my comfort zone. I would like to get 12 hours a day. Uh, so the answer to this is, as with many aspects of human biology, there's no one-size-fits-all approach to sleep. Overall, researchers suggest that for a healthy young adult and adults with normal sleep, seven to nine is an appropriate amount. So the story gets a little more complicated, though. The amount of sleep we need each day varies throughout our lives. So if you're a newborn, 14 to 17, infants, 12 to 15, toddlers, 11 to 14, preschoolers, 10 to 13, where does it say college freshmen, almost zero. Uh, adults need seven to nine hours. Older adults, I guess that's Randy and me, seven to eight hours. So Randy's doctor was right in the uh, ballpark of what the experts are saying. And they're saying you can train your body to need less sleep. There's a widely widely shared rumor that you can train your body to need fewer than seven to nine hours of sleep. Um, before Randy jumps in with his answer, the article says this is a myth. This is not true. According to experts, it's rare for anyone to need fewer than six hours sleep to function. Although some people might claim to feel fine with limited sleep, scientists think it's more likely that they're used to the negative effects of reduced sleep. People who sleep for six hours or fewer each night become accustomed to the effects of sleep deprivation. This does not mean that their body needs less sleep. So, okay, let's see. Number two here. Um, what do you think about daytime naps, Randy? Would you uh, say that those are healthy or unhealthy for the average person? I would like to say that they are unhealthy, but uh, I know there's a lot of uh, folks in a lot of cultures that believe in the afternoon <clears throat> siesta. Sure, absolutely. And they also put a lot of salsa on their food, don't they? Uh, so let's read about daytime naps. Generally, experts recommend people avoid naps to ensure a better night's sleep. However, if someone has missed out on sleep during the previous nights, a tactical nap can help repay some of that accrued sleep debt. Around 20 minutes is a good nap length. This gives the body ample time to recharge. People who sleep much longer than this could mean they descend into a deep sleep and once awake, they feel groggy. Daytime napping is relatively common in the United States. I don't think so. But taking a siesta, oh, yeah, it's. I think they made a mistake here. Daytime napping is rel relatively uncommon, I believe is what they meant to say. But taking a siesta is the norm in some countries. Naturally, our bodies tend to dip in energy during the early afternoon, so perhaps napping around that time is more natural than avoiding sleep until nighttime. The vast majority of mammals are polyphasic sleepers, which means they sleep for short periods throughout the day. 
Well, that's not me, boy. Once I'm asleep, I tend to stay that way. Um, so afternoon naps in people who are not sleep deprived can lead to subjective and behavioral improvements and improvements in mood and subjective levels of sleepiness and fatigue. That doesn't make any sense. Not all naps are equal. There's a great deal of variation, such as time of day, duration, and frequency of naps. Um, all right, let's go on to uh, number three. The statement here is all animals sleep. Is that uh, accurate, Randy, or, or not accurate? It's accurate. Okay. Let's see what the article says. Because humans sleep and our companion animals appear to sleep, many people assume all animals do the same. This is not true. Uh-oh. Uh, so the authors of a paper entitled, do all animals sleep? They, uh, explain some animals never exhibit a state that meets the behavioral definition of sleep. Others suspend or greatly reduce sleep behavior for many weeks during the postpartum period or during seasonal migrations without any consequent sleep debt. They are also, uh, they also explain that some maritime, uh, animals, reptiles, fish, and insects do not appear to enter REM sleep because sleep is not simply a lack of consciousness, but a rhythmic cycle of distinct neural patterns. It's a challenge to distinguish whether an animal sleeps or uh, takes a rest. Now, how do you get a, a um, measuring device onto an insect to find out whether they've entered REM sleep or not? Very, very carefully. <laughs> yeah, I think that's right. Mary got herself one of these, uh, uh, iPhone watches. It connects to her telephone. And it also, when she wakes up in the morning, tells her how her sleep was. And I don't know. Well, I don't need a watch to tell me that. <laughs> That's always been kind of my thought too, but she enjoys talking about her sleep, thinking about the, whether the watch says she had good quality REM sleep or not, but you put that watch on an insect. I think you're going to have faulty readings at best. That's right. You're right. You're going you're gonna to be out of here. You're going to die in short order because you never sleep. Yeah. Okay, here's the next uh, item on this list. More sleep is always better. Now, what do you think about that? I do not agree with that. Okay, let me see what the article says. Although many people struggle to get the amount of sleep they feel they need to feel refreshed, some regularly sleep longer than their body needs. One might think this could endow those individuals with superpowers. However, researchers identify a link between longer sleep durations and poorer health. Holy crap. For instance, uh, one study which followed 276 adults for six years concluded the risk of developing obesity was elevated for short and long duration sleepers compared to average duration sleepers. Uh, so 27% and 21% were increases uh, in the risk of obesity, I guess. This finding held even when scientists controlled the analysis for age, sex, and baseline body mass index. Sleep duration might also impact mortality, including to some researchers. Well, if I croak, I don't want it to be because I didn't get enough sleep. That's a scary thought. A meta-analysis, which appears in the journal Sleep, concludes both short and long duration of sleep are significant predictors of death in the prospective population studies. Oh, that's that's scary. Well, uh, I, I, so I guess your answer, which was uh, it's, let's see, let's go back to this. More sleep is always better. You disagreed with more sleep is always better? I disagree with that. Okay. Well, then that's, 
you're right on track with the scientists who have been studying this. They're saying that people who sleep too little and people who sleep too much are both at risk of an early death. And uh, I don't want that to be me. But on the other hand, once I'm asleep, I don't know what to do about it. Number five, sleep deprivation can be lethal. What do you think about that? Is that? Yes. Uh, yes, okay. it can. And we've heard that as we've read about uh, uh, interrogations of enemy uh, combatants when they've been captured on the battlefield and interrogated for the intelligence they can give up. Uh, sleep deprivation is a weapon that uh, our military has used in uh, a lot of arenas. And I remember also they pointed speakers and played rap music for Noriega to get him out of his uh, his uh, hiding place in Panama, as I recall. So, well, there's another there's another little bit of information I could share about that too. Uh, this is a very, very, very rare disease, but uh-huh. there is there is a disease called fatal familial insomnia. Really, and once that kicks in, you cannot sleep. And those the people that are in that family and have that genetic deviation, they don't always get that. It doesn't always kick in, but when it does kick in, they are not going to live much past another six months. Is it hereditary? Yeah. Wow. Well, there's that African sleeping sickness, which would be the other direction where they sleep all the time. I forget what the official name of that disease is, but it's uh, certainly a problem either way, I guess. Yeah. So in that in that regard, we've supported the uh, the conclusion the scientists have. Yeah, it's is- absolutely fatal because uh, I've seen uh, I I've read. I mean, it, obviously, it's an interesting topic. It's a sad topic, but bottom line is I've I've watched a lot of articles, you know, on the internet. I've seen yeah. you know YouTube videos um, of this particular line of family members that have had this, and it's uh, definitely fatal. Wow. Well, let me, um, now the premise here is sleep deprivation can be lethal. And Randy said, absolutely. So the article says there's no record of anyone dying from sleep deprivation. In theory, it may be possible, but as far as scientists can ascertain, it is improbable. Now that doesn't uh, address the disease you talked about. So that would be different. It depends on whether they categorize that disease as uh, sleep deprivation, which it certainly is. But uh, so I would argue that whoever wrote this article stopped just short of the accurate facts. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, So to go on with this, it's understandable why this myth might have taken root, though. Sleep deprivation, as many people can attest, can feel horrendous. However, the case of Randy Gardner demonstrates Randy, hmm, I wonder if he's related to you. Um, <laughs> it, it demonstrates that extreme sleep deprivation is not fatal. In 1965, when Gardner was just 16, he was part of a sleep deprivation experiment. In total, he stayed awake for 11 days and 24 minutes, which equates to 264.4 hours. During this time, he was monitored closely by fellow students and scientists, sleep scientists. As the days rolled on, Sleep deprivation symptoms worsened, but he survived. So why has this myth uh, persisted? The belief that sleep deprivation can kill you might have its roots in a study from the 1980s. Uh, Scientists found that if they deprived rats of sleep with a particular experimental method, they would die after two to three weeks. In their experiments, the researchers placed rats on a disc 
suspended above water. They continuously measured their brain activity. Whenever the animal fell asleep, the disc would automatically move and the rat would need to avoid falling in the water. It would need to act. The rat would need to do something in order to avoid falling in the water. So despite the fatalities in these experiments, later research showed this is not the norm. Rats deprived of sleep using different methods do not die. Also, other researchers who used the disc method on pigeons found that it was not uh, fatal for those creatures. Sleep deprivation is not painless for humans, though. Uh, back in 1965, Gardner's parents were worried about their son. They asked uh, Lieutenant Commander John J. Ross from the, uh, Ross from the U.S. Navy Medical Neuropsychiatric Research Institute in San Diego to observe him. He describes a steady deterioration in function. For instance, by day two, Gardner found it more difficult to focus his eyes. By day four, he struggled to concentrate and became irritable and uncooperative. On day four, he also reported his first hallucination and delusion of grandeur. On day six, Gardner's speech became slower, and by day seven, he was slurring as memories worsened. Paranoia kicked in during day 10, and on day 11, his facial expression and tone of voice became expressionless. Both his attention and memory span were significantly diminished. However, he did not die and apparently did not experience any long-term health issues. Another reason why that myth uh, that sleep deprivation can be fatal persists might be due to a condition called fatal familia insomnia. Aha, Randy's smugly nodding his head. See, I told you so, he says, and he was right. People with this rare genetic disorder become unable to sleep. However, when individuals with this disease die, it's due to the accompanying neurodegeneration rather than lack of sleep. Although sleep deprivation will probably not kill you directly, it's worth adding a note of caution. Being overtired does increase the risk of accidents, according to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Drowsy driving kills. All right, so I think uh, on the whole, the take-home, ah, yes, let's let the article summarize the the uh, results here. Overall, we should try to aim for seven to nine hours of sleep. Randy's doctor wasn't far off on that one. Uh, it sounds simple, but our neon lit, bustling, noisy lives, it's more challenging than we might like. All we can do is keep making an effort to give sleep the space that it needs. It is only through persistent research that we will eventually decode all the mysteries of sleep. If you're interested in reading more, blah, blah, blah. All right. So that is our sleep hunk for today. So, Randy, uh, if you can stay awake long enough to uh, escort us out of here. Man, I'm tired. I am really sleepy. I don't blame you. Just (laughs) reading the word sleep makes me want to go unconscious. Oh, I I tell you, I I totally agree with you. Well, you know something? We have used up our 75 cents worth of airtime. I need to land the plane and bring the bus into the station because we have definitely overstayed our 75 cents. But before I do, I want you to grab a pencil and write down this email address, dbj at mlmmailbag.com. You can use that any time of the day or night because Doug wants to hear from you. He loves it and he looks for it in his inbox every morning. Also remember that Doug is a nationwide licensed expert to sell you and help you with your Medicare supplement planning or Medigap, whichever you want to call it. You can check us out on MedicareForTheLazyMan.com, our really cool website, if I might add. We can also appreciate it 
if you can find time to give us some reviews on the podcast, the website, the books, either one or all, because the numbers, it's all about the numbers. So if you can help us out, we would certainly appreciate it. And last but not least, thank you. Thank you for joining us. You could have been 100 different places doing 99 different things, but you chose to spend a little bit of quality time with us on Medicare for the Lazy Man podcast. And if you didn't keep track of your watch, you have just spent nearly 32 and a half minutes with Doug Jones, the anti-insurance insurance guy from Oklahoma originally, not now. He's back home from Illinois, living in the high ground in Cave Creek, Arizona, watching out over his balcony. Usually he uses his army surplus binoculars, but I saw the other day that he had a telescope watching for Medicare Advantage zombies. Those bastards. Thank you, Randy. And (laughs) thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us. I'm hoping that you'll come back and join us again for our next episode. See you later.